the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. Well, I'm excited about today because uh, we got the bonus of the president making this this uh, really strong statement, a statement that a lot of folks are saying they wish he would have come out with uh, Saturday evening. And we don't know because we weren't there. But uh, before we get to the topic I want to talk about, I wanted to ask you about today's vital question. The president made that strong statement. How do you rate his address on our vital question poll? Was it good, meaning presidential? Was it just okay? Was it too little too late? Or can you not decide? I definitely think it was good. You know, Mike, one of the things that I think Donald Trump really fights with, and he's been this way his whole life, is when he goes off the cuff, he goes off message. And the the temptation to address the scenario in Charlottesville during the press conference he was having on another topic uh, at Bedminster over the weekend was a bad idea. And then what happens after that, after he made the unfortunate statements that he did, then in order to go into damage control mode, you can't just come out with another statement that might be just as bad or worse. He had to let a little bit of time pass. And I thought it was interesting as a career trial attorney to see how he laid out his bullet points today. You'll note that he didn't start right out of the gate with what everybody wanted to hear, which was the naming of the KKK, the neo-Nazi groups, which he finally did. He came out of the gate with some positive information about the campaign, about jobs, the economy, which is really traditionally Trump. But whoever wrote that speech, my goodness, must have made it absolutely perfectly crystal clear that he could not go off message this time. And that's why I'm rating it as good, because he stuck to his notes. Now, Mike, I say that knowing that no doubt there may be one one or more of your listeners that may see this as a rhetorical minimum that may listen to what he said today and say it sure would have been better if those had been the words they heard over the weekend. Granted, we all agree that's true. They weren't. But he did end up delivering a strong on-script message today. So everybody's glad about that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this was a strong message. And one of our callers actually mentioned the fact that he was happy the president waited until law enforcement in the both the area and his Department of Justice gave him a breakdown of what they knew in terms of details, because there there obviously was more to know than we knew on Saturday. And there were obviously opportunities to interview more witnesses and talk to people. So uh, yeah. I, we, we've had all kinds of reactions to this. Now, Wendy, there's another there's another topic out there that I wanted to get into with you. And this is the one. It is the sort of Damocles dangling over the head of Stephen K. Bannon in the White House? Is he is he next for the exit door? Are you hearing anything? <laughs> you know, I'm probably hearing all the same chatter that you are. We They've been talking about Bannon being on the chopping block for a long time. And there's just those dueling narratives coming out of the palace intrigue. You know, some many so many people say, no, he's so close to the president. He's secure. He is also the link to the president's base. That's the argument. He can't fire him. He would lose all that support. 
On the other hand, particularly after the horrifying events of the weekend, and Mike, our hearts and prayers go out to that community and families of the victims, but after a weekend like this of white supremacist violence, one can't wonder whether or not Trump is going to be swayed to decide this just isn't the kind of association that can remain for the long run. Now, I always talk about forecasting, surrogate forecasting. I'll, I'll, I'll call it that. And what I mean is when you see other members of Trump's cabinet go on national television and refuse to align themselves with Steve Bannon, you wonder whether they are refusing to do so or unwilling because of what's going on inside internally. And, you know, so when you see that kind of thing coming out, you've got to wonder whether it isn't true that he actually does have the knives out for him. And the person I'm thinking of right now is yesterday. It was H.R. McMaster. Remember this, Mike, that was asked three times by NBC's Chuck Todd, whether he can work with Bannon. You know, I I felt like objecting, you know, as a a trial lawyer. I mean, the the answers were so unresponsive to the question, and the question was asked in three different ways, and McMaster not once would be willing to flat-out answer the question that he was being asked. That's very telling. It's very telling, and at the same time McMaster was making the rounds, we saw the mooch actually out yes, there and we did <laughs> i didn't i didn't want to give the mooch any credibility as a matter of fact i tweeted to abc news i really didn't care i didn't want to watch him uh, and doesn't he have a newborn he needs to get home and attend to as well as four <laughs> four other children and two uh ex-wives or one one ex and one soon-to-be ex but the mooch didn't seem to have too much uh love and support for bannon But then again, the Roger Stone comments about Anthony Scaramucci being kind of a a, a terror squad to go in and take out some of the undesirables in the White House staff. He called him a suicide bomber. And uh, Scaramucci said he he relished that statement. He appreciated that analysis. (laughs) So with the mooch kind of sticking a knife in in uh, Bannon and McMaster dancing around it. I literally, I I wish I could have seen you as a prosecutor going, objection, he's not answering the question. He's blocking. And you know, let me give you an all kind of an interesting alternate explanation possibly to all of this. So I, and I heard and watched Scaramucci and what he had to say, and it wasn't a surprise. You know, he's, he's never been shy about his feelings about Bannon. And, you know, he, he says, he says, quote, I think the president knows what he's going to do with Steve Bannon, unquote. It's his decision. But then again, he goes and says, you know, insinuates that Bannon is one of the leakers. That's one of the Mooch's most recent allegations. But if I had to play devil's advocate on McMaster, I might argue that McMaster just simply doesn't want to speak for the president. And he just simply doesn't want to make a statement that is then going to be undone with one of the president's tweets or undone with something that the president ends up doing as far as an action speaks louder than words event, whether he endorses Bannon or or does something else that makes it clear he's not going to be fired. It's possible McMaster simply doesn't want to be the victim of an inconsistent statement and doesn't want to lose his own credibility by going out there answering these questions 
questions and then being proven to be wrong. Now, what he could have done is said, well, I'm not going to speak for the president. I'm not going to give you an answer. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of person that that wants to do that, that wants to give sort of a no comment type of response. Instead, what he did is he stuck to his talking points, but he didn't give the fodder that many would have pounced upon had he then been wrong. So he he may just be a, a very good interviewer and just being very cautious. Well, not only that, McMaster was also in, reported to be in the crosshairs in the past week as well. There was uh, there there seemed to be an effort to try and gin up a campaign against McMaster, and then you saw him sitting next to the president, and that's not exactly the place you end up when you're yeah. going to be pushed out. So I wonder if he that's realized right. uh, he if he's ultimately the diplomat here, and we're. Wendy and I are playing palace intrigue uh, bingo here. So if you want to join <laughs> in the conversation, you And you, you know, will. Mike, I love, I love these observations you're making because it is true. And you know, I'm a reading people fanatic. Uh, placement matters. You know, in that White House uh, chief of staff press meeting, remember when they were introducing John Kelly? I made a big deal over who was sitting where because it makes a big difference to the, the, the chemistry and the dynamics within that room. And it also, given the fact that every press agency was represented, it also made a difference to the viewing public, which no doubt was something that they strategized on the front end in deciding not only who was going to sit where. Remember, the president was right across from Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who had just been lambasting publicly. But it really was an opportunity for us to really read the power dynamic within the current administration. And the fact that Bannon is often in the background, I understand it has to be that way for photo ops much of the time might forecast though where president trump is thinking but his thinking last week was probably influenced in a significant part by what happened over the weekend now it may be a whole new ball game especially with this hashtag steve bannon firing trending all over the world well i i want to get to that as well um and i i have a story on it and i don't have a whole lot of time here did you see Alyssa Milano's, and uh, yes, I'm bringing up someone who was in a TV show called Who's the Boss? I think that was the show she was in. And it, wasn't <laughs> she on Melrose Place, too, or something? I, but uh, Alyssa, I <laughs> Alyssa Milano, TV star, tweeted something out last night saying that she walked into a Christmas store in New York City and saw all the elves had been arranged to make Nazi salutes. And that she Ugh. she got physically ill when she saw this. Uh-huh. And I'm like, hold on, hold on a second here. Wait a minute. Uh, she said, walked into a Christmas store in New York and someone arranged all the elf arms in Nazi salutes. I'm sick to my stomach. Hashtag fire Bannon. And my <laughs> initial reaction was, how do you how do you tie somebody changing the the elf display at a Christmas store in New York City? to getting rid of Stephen Bannon, which is an interesting leap that she's made. But, you know, you you jumped on your phone to tweet this, but you didn't think to take a picture to prove it? Now, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the thousands of comments, actually hundreds of comments that have popped up around this, they people have asked, where is it? What's the name of the store? No pictures, no proof. Obviously, this didn't happen. She said, store in Little Italy. I found the only Christmas store in Little Italy that's open 
year round and talked to the manager of the store before this show went on the air. She, according to what the manager told me, she was not aware of anything like this. And she said, of course, we have little elf displays. And all the time people come around and, and move them around. So they're either fighting with each other, jumping on top of each other, molesting each other. It's all it's craziness. So anything could have happened. But I, I just wonder how this Alyssa Milano tweet goes from seeing, first of all, she gets triggered by seeing toy elves making Nazi salutes, as she says, to firing Stephen Bannon. Does Stephen Bannon wow. have elf on the shelf or Nazi on the nook, I guess we should call it? <laughs> Mike, you are an excellent fact checker, and kudos to you for getting to the bottom of that story. You know, regardless of what you think about Steve Bannon, nobody should be the victim of fake news. So I am so proud of you, my friend. Yeah, well, good you. for you. The second point The second point I'll make is you, you just nailed it. It's the visceral reaction that people have to the association of Bannon and white supremacy. Everyone is viscerally, uh, they, we find it repugnant, the idea of KKK, Nazis, white supremacy, and to tie in an, an individual into that emotional reaction, if he does get fired, it probably will have more to do with that than anything else, because remember, the court of public opinion is speaking very loudly against this hashtag fire Bannon story, which it probably explains the, uh, the story, quote unquote, that you just got to the bottom of. Well, if if you were to put um, a quarter on whether or not Steve Bannon is still in the White House by the end of the week, which side would you put him on a yes or a no? I think by the end of the week, he's still going to be there, because remember that I think Trump takes a lot of advice from a lot of different people before he moves. Um, and, and I'll say that James Comey might have been an exception to that rule. But usually he takes a lot of input. He's there till the end of the week. But, Mike, let's revisit this question next Monday. Let's see, what we, see where right. we are. <laughs> Monday, Monday will be the eclipse day. There will be many things in play on Monday and we will have a discussion. Uh, you and I will be talking literally minutes before the eclipse hits here in Delaware. So I look forward to that oh, as well. I can't wait. To, I can't wait. That's going to be a, a great day, especially for you, because I know you're in a great viewing spot. I'm, I'm all over it. I've got my eclipse viewer set up and, and we'll talk about the eclipse after the break. Thank you, Dr. Wendy. WendyPatrickPhD.com. Find her, follow her, and we'll talk Monday. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.